Hello, this is MJ. I'd like to welcome you to our episode today, How to Get from Zero to Hero, Six Tips for Developing a Winning Team, with our guest Graham Lee, President and CEO at GSL Holdings. We also have a special host. Please welcome Michelle Sklar, EIR at Entrepreneurship at UBC. Michelle, take it away. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to chat with us today on our Evolution podcast with Entrepreneurship at UBC. Graham, we had a a chance to have you share some of your thoughts with our community uh, during our immersion week um, earlier this fall and really thrilled that uh, we were able to connect again and just kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of your key learnings um, from your journey as an entrepreneur. For the purposes of our audience who are joining us for the first time, I uh, just wanted to get a little bit of background on you. Now, of course, you are an entrepreneur. You've got your your hands in a, in a few different things, but you've got some significant um, areas that you're focused on. And of course, your connection to entrepreneurship at UBC um, is through the support of the Gramley Innovation Center, which has been a, a pivotal space for um, UBC, um, especially as we were really kind of getting the program up and running. But maybe you can share with us a little bit more about uh, your background. Yeah, just quickly, uh, my whole company and, and business life started when I was at UBC, and it was a business plan in my final year of, of commerce. And uh, it's evolved into something much bigger than I ever imagined. Um, we're now involved in uh, sports and entertainment business, commercial real estate development. Um, we are involved in the food and beverage business, um, and uh, just you know, arenas, ice hockey, we own an ice hockey team. Uh, it's very diversified. And, and that's something I will always aim for. So we could be resilient in times like this, where, you know, if you're not don't have all your eggs in one basket, and you could uh, you can rely on different parts of the business, when parts uh, or certain industries are not as strong as they normally are. So, so this was kind of planned out from a very young age, and, and it's worked out well. Excellent. So, you know, from the beginning, um, I guess, area for you, when you started to focus as an entrepreneur, did you know right from the beginning that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Did you know what kind of entrepreneur you wanted to be or the types of businesses that you wanted to build and grow? Can you share with us a little bit about uh, your thoughts at the time? I had no idea. And uh, so what influenced me, though, when I was a kid is that I grew up around people that didn't have jobs. They basically all worked for themselves. And that was my dad, my grandparents, and, and my dad's friends. And so, I, I mean, as how ignorant was I when I was a kid? I didn't even know there was a nine-to-five job. <laughs> so from a very early age, knew that I had to rely on myself. And um, that was always my focus. But, you know, knowing or planning to, where, to be where I am today in the businesses I'm in, I had no idea, no concept of where I would be, other than the fact that I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted the freedom when I got to my age where I am right now to be able to choose what I want to do. And uh, that was the goal. So how I got there, it was going to be something. But did I, could I predict what I'm in now? No, there's no way. So you, you mentioned being surrounded by, uh, by family growing up who all um, work for themselves. And of course, your father is a big supporter of uh, UBC as well. Um, maybe you could uh, share with us what kind of influence and I guess influential role um, did your father or even someone else in your family play um, and that really kind of helped shape your mindset around entrepreneurship? I think to be an entrepreneur, you need to have a positive mindset. So it wasn't really about my dad sitting down and saying, hey, son, this is how things work. He never actually did that. 
But it was little things, I can even remember when I was a little kid, going back to when I was maybe four or five, he would always say things like, be generous and work hard. And he would say that to me almost every day. And those are positive things. And it's not like, don't be this or don't be that, because that's kind of a negative connotation. And when you actually, um, I recently learned from Qigong, which is an ancient philosophy about the nature of positive reinforcement. Like even when you say things like, no problem, they, they encourage you not to say things like that because that's a negative sort of two words together that create a positive. So anyways, my dad was like that. He I don't know if he intentionally did that, um, say these positive words to me all the time. But uh, my mom was like that too. And it was always, hey, if you think you can do it, go for it, right? And uh, that's kind of the way I always thought. Like there's there was really nothing I felt I couldn't do, even though obviously <laughs> I couldn't be an astronaut or, oh, I guess I could have, but... Um, you know, there's certain things that you feel you you have this confidence to be able to do something. And uh, and it really was a, a nice environment to be around. Um, and he was always positive and happy and, and uh, you know, doing great stuff, great examples to be around. So that was a huge influence on me. You know, I think there's something to be said about, you know, being in a very positive environment when you are taking on big challenges like being an entrepreneur because you know that you're gonna you've got to fend for yourself you are trying something brand new and so you kind of have i guess built-in challenges i'm not even going to say necessarily negatives but challenges shall we say um, when you're thinking about entrepreneurship so i think it is uh, i think it's really great that you you were surrounded by such positive people which kind of brings us to um the 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 subject that we wanted to discuss um in today's podcast around um you know developing a a winning team and kind of going from zero to hero and i was wondering if you could share with us you know at what point as you were building your 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 entrepreneurial career did you know that you needed to start um you know, either bringing in a partner or starting to build a team, but was there sort of this pivotal moment for you where you sort of went from, you know, a team of one to, you know, more than that? And, and was there a, I guess, a mindset shift that needed to happen or what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, once you're past that sort of, okay, I'm by myself, I figured this out, what, what I want to do, I've got an idea. And then you go, now what? Right. So you got to, you, you got to start thinking, okay, things like, Financing, risk assessment, all this stuff is a huge part of entrepreneurship. And you don't really learn that until you're in it. You know, and to have someone around that you can you can bounce things off that are questions that are basic. Like they might be very basic things when you're starting about finance. You know, what does a bank want? What what how do you treat them? What are they looking for? And to have that person around that you can sort of say, you know, I know this is a dumb question, but uh, I've never been here before. Tell me what to do. And I think that really helps that base knowledge to get you to that comfort level that you can go and do what you need to do to get to that next level. So there's the basic things like that. Um, you know, also when you get to a point where you, your business starts to grow and you realize you need people around you that are actually working with you, not for you. They, I treat them all like partners with me. Um, and I try to find people that have the same philosophies. And when you're young, you're just trying to find whoever, right? But as I've, I've gotten more experience, I, you realize that, you know, the people that have lasted the longest and have endured through the trials of, of a startup like we were are the people that have the same outlook in life and the same philosophy. So that's an important char characteristic to try to find. It's not easy. 
and you're going to go through people uh, that don't have it and uh, you, you've got to make sure that you move them out as quickly as you can because it's not going to help. So then you, um, and as soon as you realize that, that people are, are probably the most important thing to make a business a success, um, then you start understanding what they want, the culture around that, what makes them happy. You know, how do you create that that uh, aligned philosophy of the purpose of why you're there versus just about the money. And those are the things that, that really help um, grow the business beyond what I ever thought. And that's that was sort of the turning point for me. You mentioned sort of um, um, that you needed to surround yourself with people, not just for support, but people that have expertise that you don't have. So whether it's finance or operations or, you know, sales, marketing, whatever the case may be. I was curious if you, you know, do you have an experience to share where maybe you hired for skill and didn't hire for fit? And, and, you know, how did you navigate that? Or maybe you hired for fit and not for skill. So I'd love for our community to kind of get a sense of maybe the process that you went through to start to get the right people on the bus. Yeah, I mean, the beginning, you're looking for resumes. You know, who's got the background that you're looking for? And, and you interview them and you can never tell, right? You can never tell from an interview what the person's really like when they start working with you. So, like I said, I mean, a little bit of it is trial and error. But I guess over all of our trial and errors, we now go through a much more extensive interview process. And we actually do. We look, you know, what's publicly available out there to, to get a sense of, of what they think uh, like or what they're thinking about, what they're writing about, what they're posting on social media. I mean, those are all things that, that really help. But, you know, to get um, from a resume to a point where you, you can hire for character, the best people we have found that have really uh, had the same philosophies are people that came through references. So these are other people that vouch for them, people that we relied on, people I know that are cared about our success and introduce people that were really, really good. And those people have been uh, around the longest. It, unfortunately, the people that we just found sort of like on the internet or you know, some have turned out really, really well, but I would say that's a little bit more of a hit and miss. So if you can find even through, you know, this whole mentorship process or people that have helped you in your career or, you know, bankers or lawyers, some came through lawyers, right, that I'd work with and, and saw what we're doing, understood our philosophy, and then we're able to match up with someone else who's not in the right position where they were because they're not the right philosophy and they were able to match us up. And that, that really made a big difference. I think that's a, a really good point around kind of like the matching and, and recognizing that, you know, you can have really great people and if they're in the wrong role, then they don't really reach their full potential. So not only is it not great for them because they're probably not doing the things they really want to do, but they're not truly benefiting um, the organization that they're with if the best of them is not, you know, mm -hmm. kind of being brought up and, and, and rising to the occasion. Um, have you had a, I guess, um, like a, a bit of a surprise hire, maybe somebody where you weren't sure if it was going to work out. And then as they spent time in your organization, they really kind of blossomed. Yeah, we had we had one role in the company that um, was really something that no one had ever done before. And it was a crapshoot and uh, whether anybody could succeed in this role. And, um, you know, when the person started, I was getting this feedback that was not very good. Like it, it this person's not doing a very good job. But, you know, as, as I worked with this person and, you know, put all everything else aside, just focused on that, that particular role of what had to be achieved. And also, um, 
<clears throat> made sure the the environment for that person was there to succeed, even though it had never been done before. That you know the financial structure was set up, the downside risk was minimal. The only up the only thing that was available was upside. So th that person had all the freedom to do what they needed to do to succeed, and I think they succeeded way beyond what they even expected. And again, you know, it was uh, it went from like very negative sort of reviews and and uh, feedback from customers and people that were working with them to saying, hey, this guy's pretty good, you know. And but it was all around sort of uh, making sure that you, you spend the time, and and that's that may be more of a case of adapting, you know, our our particular structure to a person's personality. And we both sides sort of navigating through that and adapting. And it worked really well because the uh, I think the uh, the financial structure uh, and the way that the base was set up really helped them succeed. I wanted to ask you, Graham, um, I think there comes at a point in an organization where as a CEO or a founder, you may not be able to spend the same amount of time in the you know recruiting and hiring process as you did when your company was small obviously you've got more things to do you hire um you know experts and and executives to be able to really kind of own those core functions within your organization um but i think it can be a challenge for as an organization really does scale how does the culture um sort of get maintained where you feel that the people that are coming into your company that you're either finding ways to connect with them or they're as connected to the company in the same way that you know you wanted them to connect to the company when it was smaller and and a little bit of maybe i don't know if there's if there's friction or how you adjust or adapt to kind of keeping that culture there well this is something i've really spent a lot of time on and when when i was starting i didn't have the time actually to think about culture or philosophy of what we're doing the bigger purpose and as time's gone on, I've realized that's more and more of an important element of hiring. So um, passing this on to someone else to do this work for us for hiring, I've had to make sure that person who's hiring is part of the culture mix within the company. So that person's become way more important than just um, an HR person. I mean, they are basically a corporate partner in developing our businesses. So I include that person in everything we do. So the HR department, which is really not called the HR department, it's director of human resources, but also of de uh, business development. Um, they understand what I'm trying to achieve as well from a philosophical, philosophical point of view, which is trying to create a better world, trying to create a purpose, um, trying to bring people together um, to make their lives better. and. The more that they understand that philosophy, the more they can understand the type of person they're trying, we're trying to hire that would fit in the best. Because again, it's a win-win, right? If you find the right person that fits in with, within that scope, because it, it works magically. And the thing with um, you know, those types of purposes, which are now a huge part of our business, is they actually are things we're doing. So we are bringing people together. We are creating, um, like we're doing some businesses that could be very disruptive, but again, it's all with the purpose of creating a better world, a better place around us. And of course, you know, even having um, my dad's example out there of what he's done for places like UBC, they know whoever comes into the company knows our fa my family history as well. And that's ingrained within what we do. So all those little things help. I wanna turn our conversation um 
in a slightly different direction, but still talking about, you know, kind of team building and, and, and culture and whatnot. Um, and I want to talk about like the space that is, um, spaces that are important for cultivating community. And I think that in our, you know, current COVID situation, um, the thing that's probably been disruptive for, for most people is not having that kind of sense of community when you go into the office every day. And certainly there are some businesses that have, you know, are able to be open and they can have, you know, some of their team members there. Um, but certainly with UBC, you know, we are going to be remote until, um, you know, possibly next spring, um, you know, and, 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 and hopefully at that point we'll be able to, uh, you know, get, get back onto campus. Um, you contributed um, your your strong support at UBC is so meaningful to entrepreneurship at UBC because of the Gramley Alumni Center. And um, as somebody who has, um, you know, spent many years as an entrepreneur myself, in my early days, we didn't have community. We didn't have spaces we could go and find, you know, like-minded individuals. And I think that's something that's really become part of um, the startup or entrepreneurial community community is having these spaces to congregate because of course you know when you're building a business um in the very early days you're either doing it at home or you're by yourself and it's very isolating and all these things that can be you know really kind of challenging um so i guess i wanted to you know maybe chat for a few minutes here um about the importance of spaces in building community and maybe you could share with us um you know, why from your perspective, you felt it was important to support a space on campus for entrepreneurs? Well, I mean, our business evolves around uh, building community. Our arenas where we bring people together for concerts or uh, sporting events, um, our community ice rinks, our hotel, you know, our online uh, fantasy hockey site, which is the largest hockey fantasy site in the world. These are all like, even though that's virtual, it brings people together. These, these things are all, uh, you know, a, a huge fundamental part of, of who we are and why we do what we do. Obviously, we can't bring people together right now because of the the COVID situation. But um, you know that that's still a an important part of you know what we think we need to do to help make the world a better place. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. Um, right now, what we do is we you know to get through this current situation. I mean, we're creating a workplace environment where we meet um, groups of us meet almost every day. So I think the collaborative part of, of any business is so important. And, and, you know, when you look at the Innovation Center at UBC, well, the one that I sponsored, um, it, it is an open working space with no hierarchy, really. And that's the kind of situation I've created in my own company in trying to create a very sort of, hey, let's all do this together. And, and if you've heard me speak before, I think the element of or the research into collective intelligence and the swarm intelligence is is so important because the more you can actually think together as a group, the more powerful your thinking will be. So, um, you know, we're going to keep going down this path and uh, hopefully, you know, some things will come out of it. But I don't I don't think there's any better way to do uh, or create a culture other than bringing places of, of work that are all like together, not isolated. Um, and I mean, the great thing about what we do when things are normal is we are in the sports and entertainment business. And, you know, when we're bringing people to our staff to come to an, a music festival, they're not just coming because we're inviting them there. We're doing it. We're bringing them because that's what we do. Right. We actually can tell them everything that's going on, how it works, the inside. And I do that with all of our staff is explain, try to explain everything we do, whether it's in the music industry, whether it's owning a hockey team, whether it's building a condominium tower or, you know, doing uh, technology work. Everybody learns and you know we can't stop from learning and 
if you've got people that are very have inquisitive minds, which you want, they're going to find it all very fascinating, and and they will they will love that culture, and that's the type of culture we've created. Lastly, I wanted to chat with you about um, resiliency, and as we are, you know, all working to you know build back um, a stronger economy, what would you maybe do different today than? you know, when you were an entrepreneur in the early days? Honestly, I don't think I'd change anything. And I'll tell you why is because when I was thinking about being an entrepreneur, like I said earlier, um, I just wanted to have this freedom in my life where I am right now. And, and to get to that freedom, I knew I had to do or build a base of businesses that would allow me to have that freedom. And, and what, what's happened over the years uh, from when I was starting this was I always had this mindset of patience, of long-term thinking. And I think that's one of the, the things that is a danger right now with entrepreneurship is that people think very short-term. They're thinking they got to make that quick buck. They got to make it by the time of the 30. You know, it, it's it's possible, but it's, it's probably not the majority of people that are able to get there. And, you know, when you think long-term, like I did when I was in university, I was still at school. I was thinking, okay, how do I build this base? You know, but I got to survive. I got to get through all this. But I want a base of something that is might be slower growth, which is like our real estate business. You know, Canadian tires and save on foods as tenants. I mean, you're not going to make a lot, but over time, it's going to be a very stable source of income and very, fairly recession proof. And then, you know, to be able to move into the businesses that we're in, like music and entertainment and hockey uh, related, which I love, like I love sports. And, um, you know, the Internet stuff we're doing uh, that is higher in cash flow, but less in capital appreciation. So there's that good balance between the two. Then it still allows me on the side to do these crazy ideas that we're working on that are not risking the boat. I mean, it, it won't bring the company out if they don't work. But if they work, they could really change the world. So that's everything that I, I planned out. I guess not exactly the type of things I would be doing, but the plan of being an entrepreneur and doing my own thing and having that freedom of thought and mind um, is it was always my goal. And uh, and I think, you know, if you think long term, um, like I did, I think it's it's the best way to go because, you know, your own boss, you, you can do it. You can travel wherever you want. You can spend your own time doing what you want to do. And um, and if you if you find the right business to work on, like work hard, like it's not you don't miss anything later in life of a, missing a party or something that, you know, shoot, I wish I could have gone that 20 years ago. <laughs> You're never going to say that, but you will probably say, man, I should have spent a little more time doing that that business because it could have made a difference in my life. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy the way things turned out. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Graham, thank you so much for joining us um, on the um, on our podcast today and um, really looking forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you for joining us and we hope to see you next time. In the meantime, stay safe and stay healthy.